With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good. Thank you. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID. It's yeah. still around, uh, but people don't seem to be quite as frightened anymore. What are they going to do about yeah. it? I mean, uh, there's always, you know, even even though that's recognized now, people, people are getting back to normal. Uh, there's still a lot of stories out there, but, you know, the but, if you can't tell. It may come back. It might be worse than ever. So be prepared because we have to have a job for our government. What will the bureaucrats do? One time I was asking at a, at a, at a rally at a university and somebody said, and it was a liberal guy up and said, well, yeah, but if you fired all those bureaucrats, what what are they going to do? And I said, they they could all go work at McDonald's. <laughs> that wasn't a very popular answer, but uh, I think I made a point. But anyway, uh, there's been some assessment now, and, yeah. and some of it is decent. Some of it, you know, satisfies us that it's pointing to the fact that, uh, you know, maybe maybe lockdown wasn't all that it was uh, played up to be. Maybe it, maybe it came up a little short. Not only maybe it, didn't, it came up short, maybe it came down hard and it did more harm. And, and that's being reflected in some of these pollings and statistics now. But there was a recent study now that said that uh, uh, this is now really top news. Yeah. California and New York were the worst yeah. dealing with COVID. I mean, shocking, shocking. And, but the shock is they don't, especially in California, they don't seem to care. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know, uh, they, they just go on and on, gouge, your, uh, uh, gouge the rich, and, you know, they'll get by. So they're not dealing with the problem. But this is a real shocker. Florida did one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, that is really strange. But we knew that something, these statistics would come out because we argued that Florida was on the right track. Did they do everything exactly right? No, they're, they're going to come up short. But uh, I don't get too upset with this because I accept the principle that the commies are never going to have perfect socialism and we're never going to have perfect liberty. But we have to have a concept of liberty yeah. because that to me is the important thing be able to sort out uh, truth and fiction. You know, the other side has to work with fiction and they have to keep converting people and lying to people and one lie leads some more lies, one intervention leads to more intervention. So it goes on and on. But uh, if, it's, if it's truth, uh, yes, it goes on and on, but it should reflect the fact that people will keep seeking truth and have a better understanding. I would say that transition occurred with, with COVID. You know, how many doctors lost their jobs and, and penalized for it, and now they're starting to be recognized. History will show they were heroes, you yeah. know. So, so uh, t time, time is important, but I think this is, this confirms, you know, our assessment. You know, they were doing it the wrong way in California, New York. And it just may be that Florida and oftentimes Texas, they were on the right past. Yeah, it's fascinating. And this is, we can actually put up that first clip because this is a report about this new study. The study is called a final report card on the state's response to COVID-19. And it was conducted by the National Bureau of Economic Research in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And what it is, is a follow-up to a study they did in October of 2020, which was an initial assessment of how the states were responding to the coronavirus outbreak and what was working and what wasn't. 
And so what the, what the parameters of this final study of the response after two years was basically in three main areas, the economy, education, and mortality. And within those, there were subtopics, uh, unemployment, access to schools, access to, uh, to commercial activities, uh, excess mortality. And what it did find, as, as you mentioned, is that the states that were the most restricted, when you look at the big picture, and this is something we've been saying for, for two years, you've been saying for two years, is that it's a, it's a whole big picture. It's not just a disease and nothing else happens. So in the whole big picture, when you put them all together, actually California and New York, which were locked everything down, they did worse across the board than relatively free states like Florida, which uh, originally had some restrictions and the governor was wise enough to, to uh, eliminate them later on. So it goes to show, and we're talking about this still, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it, they want to pretend it's over, but we're talking about this because, partly because they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it because they're going to do it again if they can. Yeah. So that's why it's important to show, and well, um, I'll put a link to the actual study uh, in our show notes today uh, because people will want to read the whole study. Uh, the you know that digest of it in this Fox News piece we put up is just part of the story. But anyway, the final verdict is in. They messed everything up. Somebody should pay the price. Well, you know, uh, it seems like they learned slowly uh, in, the, the com in the community sense. People will finally wake up and the mothers get upset and they start to speak out. And, uh, and yet uh, it, it's, it's pretty hard to eliminate uh, the thoughts that went into all the intervention. And like you just mentioned, they, they still are there. They still will come back because philosophically they believe in it and they believe they can benefit at the expense of others. That's the real, the, the real harm done is that there are still special interests when you think about the pharmaceuticals and, and the politicians uh, and part of the medical profession that you know, benefit from all this stuff. So that's, uh, that's where the real problem is. But I would think that uh, uh, th things are going to be better. I think, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't pay attention to many elections. And one thing that used to annoy me, still does, generally speaking, is the statement. This is the most important, I was in the most important election uh -huh. every time I ran for something. The most important election ever. But I would say that this year's election is pretty darn important because it's a referendum on what we're talking yeah. about. And already some of the early uh, local elections are starting to show that people are fed up with yeah. it. And that might be a good sign. Yeah, it might be. Well, speaking of, you mentioned people who are slow to learn. Let's put up this next clip because this is related. This is a guy, the, flip, the master of flip-flops. He did another flip-flop, Dr. Paul. This is Anthony Fauci. Fauci advises assessing personal risk amid COVID-19 uptake. This is the opposite of what he said for two years. I'm gonna read you the quote. He's back on the big shows. He was on this week. Uh, so he doesn't have to do PTA meetings anymore. Uh, here's what he said. And tell me how different this is from what he was saying for two years. He said, it's going to be a person's decision about the individual risks they're going to take. And then he went on. This is not going to be eradicated and it's not going to be eliminated. Now that's the opposite of what he said for two years. He said, so you're gonna to have to make a question and answer for yourself, for me as an individual, for you as an individual. What is my age? Well, you weren't allowed to talk to about that before. What is my age? What is my status? Do I have people at home who are vulnerable if I bring the virus home that may be a problem? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it's 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 great that it, that we're hearing it now. But my comment when I read this was, now he tells us. Now he tells us. <laughs> now yeah. he tells us. But you made a statement that two years ago he's been doing exactly the opposite. But two years and a little bit more ago, he was. He was a sensible. So, you know, I call it political schizophrenia. Yeah. You know, they're, they're up and down. But, but that's more or less, that's not unusual. That's pretty typical of many politicians. It depends on where they are, what they're doing, and who's, who supports them, and who finance their campaigns, and things that so often are relative. That's why it's rare even to find a progressive that is real, real good and sticking to their guns. But... Uh, uh, and also, uh, we just have a few that you know in, that brag about the Constitution. I've, I have. It's just safe to be for the Constitution. I mean, you have to be questioning things when you hear a person like Pelosi get up into the world. You know, brag about how strong a constitutionalist she is to protect personal liberty. You, you have to sort of say, "Holy man, how do you how do you live with yourself?" And that that is that is a, a truly the the biggest thing is getting people to think that there is some value in being consistent and telling the truth. And I think people will respond favorably if they hear the truth. And even though the truth uh, may hurt. And once somebody told me, they said that um, the benefit that I had by telling the truth was the people responded by saying, well, if you know the truth, you can do something yeah. about it. But if you're lied to and you don't know what it is, what are you going to do? More lies and making the problems worse. And I think that's what's happened for a good many years. Well, you mentioned schizophrenia, and this is absolute schizophrenia. I mean, nobody can read this who's not in the cult and not see that this is as kooky as it gets. Okay, here's what... They asked Fauci on TV, what is your level of concern about the president's exposure here? Because, you know, Nancy was over there next to him. And right. She said, right. And here's Fauci. Well, John, the protocols to protect the president are pretty strong. The president is vaccinated. He's doubly boosted. He got his fourth shot of mRNA. When people like myself and my colleagues are in the room with him closely for a considerable period of time, half an hour, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, all of us need to be tested. So on the one hand, he's got all the protocols, he's got all the protections, but if we dare to get into the room with him, we better get, get tested. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence uh, if you look at it, and maybe, maybe that's good news, maybe that's the takeaway, confidence in CDC and in Fauci. Evaporate. Yeah, but, but that really supports our position. <clears throat> if the, uh, <clears throat> if the um, leadership of all this nonsense, they took all the shots and they still come down with it now, now they say, it's spreading like wildfire in Washington, D.C. So, uh, you know, it sort of supports our position, you know, that uh, you shouldn't have done it, shouldn't have wasted your time, and now you're speaking common sense, but what are you going to say tomorrow? You know, even that statement that you read uh, from Fauci, the first half was perfect, but the second one was, beware, beware. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you, you better be prepared because it's still coming. Yeah. Well, in the, it's a, here's our tribe. Our tri uh, on COVID, this, the next one, you know, I just found it in the morning and sent it over to you because it was the funniest thing I'd seen all day. <laughs> yeah. And put this up. It almost sounds like desperation, <clears throat> Dr. Paul, if you can put that next clip up. This is from Bloomberg. COVID could be surging in the U.S. right now, and we might not even know it. Can you imagine? The Spanish flu may be surging in the U.S. Polio may be surging in the U.S., and we may not even know it. 
they used to have to at least get <coughs> a excuse me <coughs> a statistic yeah. that you could look at or some picture but now now it's invisible yeah. and i think they use that word don't they yeah. or we use the word we it is it's an invisible enemy out there boy that's hard to attack that's the hard. invisible enemy so but eventually uh the, the people get sick and tired of uh, all this being invisible. And I think that's what happened to wake up a large number of people who still believe in family life and parental controls and parental responsibilities and individuals. See, this thing is just great about Fauci saying that where, where should the risk come from? The individuals. And he uses, I think, the word risk in there. Yeah. He assess the risk. And that's, uh, that's the principle that has to be looked at at everything that we've been doing. And the, the crux of the Bloomberg <coughs> article is they're, they're depressed that people aren't rushing to get tested like they were, you know, because we had the cases increase because everyone was getting tested. Here's what Bloomberg said. Testing and viral sequencing are critical to responding quickly. And yet the country tries, as the country tries to move on from the pandemic, demand for lab-based testing has declined and federal funding priorities have shifted. That's the Ron Paul line. You, you subsidize something, you get more of it. So we're not subsidizing anymore. We're not getting more of it. Let's put up the next one because this graph caught your attention. This is the graph that went along with the headline from Bloomberg. Uh, and you can see here, uh, this is daily COVID diagnostic test volume. Uh, it's dropped off the charts. People are not going to get testing. They're moving on. And Bloomberg and a lot of other people are upset that they've lost this. You know, uh, this one statement I, I think is important. They could be surging and this, we might not even know it. <laughs> I think, I think that, that, is, that tells you something that they're not dealing with facts. You know, there's a lot of things that we might not know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they should uh, say, yeah, we don't know everything. Why don't we seek the truth and listen to all points of views on science? Uh, but no, the bureaucrats and the politicians and, and the uh, people who are making money off this, uh, they're, they're telling us uh, what's, what's going on. They're giving us the fact. But like I say, I think, I think the attitude is shifting. And uh, like I mentioned, maybe, there'll be, maybe this election will be a big election because I've always ridiculed this idea. This is the biggest election in the yeah. world. This, is, this would be good if things change, and it could be very significant, but the big election is yet to come. When the confrontation and the decision-making is that the true Marxist has to uh, confront with the true believers in liberty, and uh, none will be pure, they will say and talk and make a lot of lies, but eventually the confrontation, that will decide which way we went. I think that big issue was occurring, you know, at the time uh, of the founding of this country, because uh, there were intellectuals that knew and understood all of history where individual liberty and freedom did exist and they understood principles. And uh, of course, it was in the 18th and 19th century when uh, socialism and Marxism, you know, blossomed. And right now it's raised its ugly head again. And uh, I think that confrontation is yet to come. But I guess the uh, 
the strength of each side will be uh, emphasized uh, this year because it was sort of disturbing to see that because I've always said they're there, they just don't tell you. But this last election was disturbing because there were a few that used the words Marxism, cultural Marxism, and do this, and socialism, and, uh, and it came out and it was... Uh, easily understood. Businessmen went with it. The professors admitted it. they weren't hiding their beliefs, even though they've been around for a hundred years. So I think this uh, this will this eventually will be the confrontation between the two. But in the meantime, we might see where the strength is building. And uh, if you looked at the last six months, I would say there's definite evidence, even though we've argued that uh, our side have been working in the trenches of intellectualism, where people, you know, get their real education outside the universities. And uh, it's, it's almost because you can be silenced, you can be uh, canceled. It's almost like it's, you have to do it in secret. Yeah. You know, it's not quite bad, that bad, but in a way you do it under the, the radar. And I think a lot of that has gone on. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the war in Ukraine. And this is something that we noticed that seems, <clears throat> seems fascinating and it also seems very suspicious. Okay, you remember a couple weeks ago when uh, the uh, State Department told Poland, hey, why don't you send over some of those old MiGs from the Soviet era to Ukraine? And we're going to give you some F-16s in exchange, some nice, shiny new ones. Uh, and the Defense Department, of course, got a hold of that and said, no, hang on a minute. That's not going to work. Don't do it. Well, what we found out just over the weekend, the same thing happened with Slovakia. The U.S. said, hey, Slovakia. Why don't you transfer over some of those S-300s to Ukraine and we'll give you some Patriot missiles, some brand new Patriot missiles. Seems to me like, almost like money laundering. Uh, let's put up this next one. This is from Al Jazeera. They did transfer those S-300s uh, and according to press reports, they were immediately blown to smithereens. Russia says it struck S-300 systems given to Ukraine by U.S. state. We know that was, or EU state, sorry. We know that was most likely Slovakia. And here's the quote in the article, if you put on that next one. The United States on Friday said it had sent a Patriot missile defense system to Slovakia to replace the S-300 system sent to Ukraine. I would say the Soviet-era S-300. Something smells funny about this, Dr. Paul. You know, it's interesting. If you want to look for, uh, you know, conspiracy, why would we say, well, the Russians must be in bed with the military industrial complex. Yeah. They go and bomb these weapons and the military complex. Who cares? So uh, it, it, I, I doubt that rather much. But, you know, anything can happen. But uh, the at least the military industrial complex hasn't complained. And the people pursuing the war because they're going to get more weapons. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, the war will expand. Matter of fact, uh, it looks like it is. Here's, here's this clip. NATO planning massive military buildup along the Russian border. Yeah. I, thought that's, I thought that was the cause of all this. This yeah. is what we argued. And many people argued ever since uh, 1990, you yeah. know, when, when, when there were promises made to the, to the Russians if they would be cooperative in just leaving Germany and leaving Berlin. So it, it was one of those things. And then our side in NATO 
And, you know, we put all the blame on NATO, except NATO is just almost equivalent to the U.S. Yeah. Because we, they, they, NATO can't do a thing if we don't give them the money or tell them what to do. But uh, now, now we're talking about a massive buildup. Well, that's what caused the problem. That's yeah. what caused the coup. And, uh, and now they're, they're planning more. So uh, I, I wonder if they ever say, if you keep doing the wrong thing, maybe things are going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, at the, at, but then there's, uh, then there's a say, well, why aren't, why aren't we talking about peace? Yeah. Don't, don't, isn't there usually a, uh, some people in each, on each side? But it, there has to be total exhaustion. And that's why we waited so long in the 60s for the total exhaustion we had, I think it was 58,000 Americans. Yeah. That, is a, that is a lot of price to pay to get exhausted and finally say, well, let's settle down. And then people get upset. Well, you surrendered too soon. We should still be there. Look at those Vietnamese. Yes, they're pretty good capitalists from my viewpoint yeah. compared to some other countries that, involved, uh, that we've been involved with. I think this just shows you the strength of the military-industrial complex in the U.S. And it's taken over the think tanks. It's taken over the media. Uh, they are risking a nuclear war with Russia to, to feather their own nests, essentially to make more profits. And it's an extraordinarily dangerous game. The Russians have already said, if you, if you keep sending weapons over here to kill Russians, we're going to view you as a combatant, as we would, as anyone would, regardless of how you feel about the war. This is a dangerous game to play with a country that means nothing to our security. It poses no threat, whether Ukraine's borders look like 1730 or 1840, whatever, doesn't mean anything. It's very dangerous. But speaking of weird, Dr. Paul, and I didn't show you this before, but this is weird. Imagine you're the president of a country in the midst of a horrific war. Uh, things are not going well according to all measure of what's happening. Uh, you're at enormous risk, yet you take the time to sit down for a glamour photo shoot. Look at this. This was uh, posted on Twitter. Here's President Zelensky in his presidential palace. And the person who tweeted it, these photo shoots mid-war are so weird. So look at him here posing, and then let's look at the next one. <coughs> this is a backed out a little bit. Look at this. He's actually sitting there for a photo shoot, for a glamour photo shoot in the midst of a war. If, if this doesn't smell to me like something like Washington PR firms, uh, as we know they've been involved in wars in the past trying to create this image, I don't know what does, Dr. Paul. It's very weird, I think. Well... You know, they say that it's more like they're pretending it is, you know, uh, one nation uh, just out of the clear blue says we need more land and we, uh, we, we invade, invade this country. But the, the, the other question is, is, is why, why, are, why are they doing it? Yeah. You know, that, that it, it makes no sense whatsoever uh, for that to happen. And yet it keeps on going and, and, and uh, it, no, nobody tries to figure out why do people do things yeah. and there are are motives and and some are evil and every once in a while some are good but uh, it is sorting out <laughs> truth from fiction which is which is superficially dealt with all the time and paul you're telling a lie you're telling a lie it's back and forth that's why uh, you know government agents and politicians uh, aren't the source of uh, of truth i don't believe yeah, yeah. there's there's good people there but you, you really don't get the truthful answers yeah. Well, here's another thing. I, I, just, it, I, I sent it over earlier. This is a tweet from the head of foreign policy for the EU. And this is what's most disturbing, regardless, again, of your position. 
on the war. He goes over there, Josep Varelli. He goes over to Ukraine. He meets with Zelensky. This is a guy who's a foreign policy. He should be pro-diplomacy. He said, quote, this war will be won on the battlefield. Additional half billion euros from the Europeans are on the way. Weapon deliveries will be tailored to Ukrainian needs. It's like that column you wrote a few weeks ago. The U.S. and the EU are fighting Russia down to the last Ukrainian. This guy, of all people, should be saying, we need to find an equitable diplomatic solution as quick as possible. Stop the dying. Instead, they're saying, we need to pour more gasoline on the fire. Yeah. You know, um, there's also the big move on, which is very popular. It's amazing what can happen within a two years, less than two years, how we can go from, you know, the benefits that came out of the end of the Cold War, you know, the trading that went on and the travel and so, so much good stuff compared to it. And uh, now, uh, no matter what happens, uh, it's, it's Putin's fault. And I, I if, if I were his advisor, believe me, I would have some criticism to yeah, it because yeah. I don't want to expand war. But at the same at the same time, uh, the uh, this, this whole thing. Well, he's a war criminal. Well, well maybe he should. Uh, and uh, Senator says, show them. Yeah. Just assassinate him. He's a <laughs> yeah. war criminal. Graham. <laughs> and you know, so they they do they do this. But what what about the the uh, the international uh, legal order, the UN and the and uh, the court, the legal courts, uh, the, the international courts? Yeah, is uh, we'll try him. You know, as a war criminal, and. Uh, I don't, I don't believe in these world courts and all, but if you if you pretended that a war was over and there was a monster there, uh, I still think, it, like I thought, that some of the people that are, ended up in Guantanamo, uh, the, especially the people that were 16 years old, yeah. and there was no proof they did anything, and they sat there for decades. So that that's the thing. They should be tried and, and, and all, but... Uh, but the war criminals, what, is, what if they say, well, he had absolutely no reason, no possibility. There was zero threat. Uh, the West never threatened him. The West have always begged for peace. You know, they had a consistent order. He decided, well, I'm going to take, take Ukraine. Yeah. You know, that, that would be big, one thing. But what if they say, well, he did it. He, may, he might have been just mistaken. But his, his war crimes involved killing innocent people. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't ignore that. Why were these innocent people killed? And, uh, and, and then uh, always when I got involved in debates on, on foreign policy, I would say, well, try to look at it as if it's being done to us. You say, well, there's been, uh, you know, innocent civilians killed over there. Yeah. And Probably the uh, the Ukrainians. Well, there were justifications that, in, in our view, that uh, prompted this because of NATO and U.S. policy and the coup of, of all these things. So we we think that uh, you, you know the uh, uh, war criminals. If you want to do it, say, you know, if you're the defense lawyer for Putin as a war criminal, uh, I think I think what I'd want to do is uh, look at just this century, yeah. this century, 22 years, and see how many war criminals we have. Oh, lots. And, yeah. uh, and put them up there. And, you know, it could be embarrassing. It could be embarrassing for us because, uh, you know, our policies, you know, how many, how many times did we do something overseas? 
uh, in these last 22 years that had essentially nothing to do with national security, our national yeah. security, very, very little. I think it was all hurting national security, and that's why, you know, uh, we, we have bad things happening to us, and that's why it might lend to what history always shows, empires end badly with economic problems, destruction of their currencies, inflation, and uh, the loss of, uh, of their empire. And right now, we still have our empire, and people want it because there's so many people invested in it, but eventually, you, you know, uh, the total confidence will be lost, and that can happen in a hurry. It yeah. can happen, you know, it's eroding now, but it, it can go in a very short period of time, and I don't think people realize how quickly something like this could bring about radical changes uh, in, in our policies and what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to close it on a little higher, a little more upbeat note, <laughs> Dr. Paul. And let's put on this next. This is our, this is the look for our conference. Uh, tickets are live. Put this next clip up. Here we go. The Biden Doctrine, New World Order or Nuclear Armageddon. Uh, we're going to have some great speakers in Houston, June 4th. Uh, it starts at 8.30 and it'll last till 1. We've got a delicious breakfast. It's a great hotel. Uh, and we want to see all of you there. This will be a smaller venue, less tickets. It'll sell out quicker. So get your tickets right away. You won't want to miss it. And we're going to announce at least our first speaker this week. But go to the next one. I'll show you how you can easily find it and get your tickets. Go to ronpaulinstitute.org. And go on that next clip if you don't mind. I've just put it up here. It'll have a more prominent position on our page later today. But you'll see there on the upper right. Get your June 4th Houston RPI conference tickets here. Just click on that, get yourself some tickets. We managed, we're doing our best to keep the cost down, but we're going to have a great event. This is stuff that is really breaking in the news. We're talking about it from the headlines. We're bringing in some great experts. This is some info that you're not going to get anywhere else, perspectives that you're not going to see in the mainstream media. And I think it's going to be a great event, Dr. Paul. Very good. And I, too, want to thank our viewers for tuning in each and every day. And we appreciate that very much. I want to close with talking a little bit about what we talked about in the opening uh, segment. And that has to do with, uh, I think, uh, good news because it's more evidence defending our position. And that is the poll that was done, and Daniel explained it so clearly, that uh, in evaluation now, uh, there's a reason why California and New York have been rated very, very low, the worst, in handling the situation, handling the medical condition problems as well as handling the political problem the government intrusion problem so they they are the worst and this poll also reflected that guess what uh, you know uh, Florida uh, was uh, right up on top and along with Texas these two states did better but there are others too you know like South Dakota there are other states that did much better than what we saw in these horrible states but I think this is good news that is being reported that now people are reflecting on this. At the same time, we're seeing more and more, uh, you know, gathering together of parents saying, you know, we want our kids taken care of better. We're sick and tired of the government taking care of them. And it's the socialist principle that said we own those kids at birth, you know, and we're in charge and we have to take care of them. And that, of course, is evil for most people who want to have truth uh, in, involved in uh, developing a political system.
But I do think that things are moving in a positive sense, but there's a lot of problems ahead and we should prepare for them. And one is to clearly understand what uh, the uh, position is to promote peace and prosperity. Because how can we lose an argument like that if there's a philosophic change that you can make that essentially costs nothing other than get your hands off the people's lives and get your hands out of their pockets and out of their, out of their lives and let them take care of their own problems. And believe it or not, that's what Fauci said yesterday, that we, the individual should you know, assume responsibility in developing and understanding what risks they should take when it comes to COVID. Well... I'm not sure anybody's going to fully trust that that's a, a new a libertarian thought for Fauci. But anyway, those thoughts are out there, and that's what we have to promote. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.